right, welcome to another episode of A-Figure Focus. My name is E from Egg Belly CPA, and I'm Managing Director of EFS Group PLOC, and also host of this wonderful podcast, A-Figure Focus. And today, we have a very, very, very great interview coming up. So this lady that I'm about to interview, she's a consultant, she's an investor, and she's just overall a dope wealth of knowledge when it comes to business. And she's been doing this for such a long time, and I'm so happy and excited to have her on this podcast episode. Monakia Nance, how's it going? Hi, Ephraim. <laughs> Thank you. You're here. <laughs> I know, literally. I'm physically here. Yes. It's exciting. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for coming. Welcome to Houston. Thank you. Long trip from Bali, but we made it. Yes, yes. So we, we got a lot to discuss, but let's really jump in. So what's customary whenever we start the podcast is to really talk about you know, how, where you're from, how you got started and everything. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. Okay. Where are you originally from? I'm from Baltimore. I'm a Baltimore, Maryland native, so Baltimore. Um, I started as an entrepreneur 17 years ago. Mm. Um, I've been a full-time entrepreneur now for 15 years. Wow. Um, and I actually got my entrepreneurial career started in college. So I started at Morgan State University is where I went to school. Go Bears. Um, and at Morgan, I actually had a friend who was the miss of the campus. Now, my friend being the miss of the campus needs to do a community service project. And there um, I helped to start a women's organization called Heal a Woman to Heal a Nation. And that was my first sniffle, you know, um, at entrepreneurship, but not even knowing I was in entrepreneurship, I really just thought I was doing a community service project. And that's how for many years it was led as, oh, I'm doing a community service project. Oh, I have a nonprofit organization. And then later I really realized that I actually was in business. That's amazing because a lot of people don't realize that nonprofits are businesses. They are businesses. You don't <laughs> like think you about literally it. have to start a corporation in order to yes. have a nonprofit. We did all the things and did not know we were really in business. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, I, I had my own career focus that was separate from my nonprofit business. And later on, I got an opportunity to merge them together um, and become. I love it. So, when it comes to entrepreneurship, was this something that you? saw firsthand from, let's say, a family member, or did you pick it up like as you were going in life? Yeah. Um, my mother has never had a job. Um, <laughs> I like to say that yeah. publicly. Um, so I've never seen her go to someone else's place of work to do something for someone else. Mm. Um, my dad has always worked. Um, I coined myself a McDonald's baby. Um, I'm a oops baby and I'm very proud oops baby. And what that means is that my parents got together as teenagers, 17, mm. 18 years old and oops, there was a baby. Mm. Um, and when the oops happened, my dad walked up the street to McDonald's and has been there ever since. And so being a corporate man now working in a corporate structure for over 30 eight years now, um, has taught me a lot about consulting, a mm. lot about management, operations. And when I was ready to work, um, at 14, I wanted to get my nails done. My daddy was like, that's unnecessary. <laughs> and so <laughs> he's like, that is unnecessary for a young lady, but I needed it. Right. That was right. something I wanted to do. And so he told me I could work at a McDonald's mm. and that's where it really, really started for me. Understanding, um, corporate structure, understanding policy and procedures. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a super nerd, so I read all the books. So I knew everything and not because I wanted to climb any type of ladder, but because I was a smart ass. <laughs> and so you were going to tell me what my job was and it wasn't. Yeah. So I was able to regurgitate it back to you. Um, and that sassiness um, helped. So as we were building Hill Hotel Nation, 
at 18, I had already four years of experience working within retail systems, managing mm. at this point. Um, by the time I, I started my organization, managing businesses, I'm actually... Last time I checked, I was the youngest manager in limited brands history at 17 years old. Wow. They gave me the keys to my first store. Um, and I was like, what? But it came with a lot of trials and tribulations mm -hmm. managing your mothers. So I'm managing yeah. people that are a lot older than me, feel like they have more experience than me. But yet again, being the nerd, mm -hmm. reading the books, understanding the policies and procedures helped to catapult my career a lot faster than other people's. That's amazing. <laughs> and I think the biggest thing that I think that's amazing about it is, you know, you've been in entrepreneurship now for 17 years. Yeah. But even before you jumped in, you had experience in like a more structured corporate setting, which I think that a lot of us, we don't really get that experience. We kind of just jump into entrepreneurship. Right. But yeah. that corporate experience, that structure can really set you up for a lot of um, success in business. Yeah, for sure. You know? um, we need it. A lot of businesses fail today because they lack structure and they lack systems. Um, we lack accountability. And those are the things that at a young age, I was held accountable. So I like to talk about being 14 years old and having um, this job that I wanted to get my nails done so bad. Mm -hmm. But also I had the pressure of, ooh, if I make a mistake, then my dad's going to know. Ooh. <laughs> um, so that became important too, because then it was another yeah. A point of accountability of do what you say you're going to do, show up and be your best at all the times because it's from two places. Mm -hmm. um, and that helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it at the time, but it really helped to cultivate the leader that I am, um, understanding managers. I now open a lot of storefront stores so where a lot of people are pushing towards the social age. Mm -hmm. um, I've been opening and running storefront stores for Wow. At least the last 20 plus years mm. um, operating storefront locations for myself. Um, I've worked for BCBG Max Azria. I work for Ford. I work for DSW. Um, I work for a lot of larger corporations, understanding the policies. And by the end of my towards the end of my career, um, my job was actually to open stores. So at a regional level, they would fly me out to stores. Um, yeah. I will go and not only finish the end of the construction, but help to hire the employees, um, open, I mean, understand the branding and marketing that went into the location and then talk to them about profit and loss, our loss prevention, mm. how are we saving, um, looking at our people, our process and our profit, how are we going to, what our projections are. So that was the setup before the store even opened. And that is what really made me say, Hey, at the end, um, I'm running a $5 million business. Me, yeah. if I can run $5 million for you, what if I can do for myself? For yeah. And I said, I can do a million dollars. And I did. Yeah. That's that's okay. dope. <laughs> what a way to start off the, the show, you know. <laughs> it's a quick and dirty this, version. We can be here all day right. talking about, you know, the beginnings, because as you go along in your journey, you can really start to reflect back on how did I get here? Mm -hmm. uh, what were the key components that helped me? Who were the key people that helped me? And entrepreneurial mindset definitely came from my mother. This lady has never had a job. I call her little baby Jesus because mm -hmm. I, I don't know how the wing and a prayer um, on so many different levels has helped her, um, has catapulted herself, empowered herself um, and all of her children. My sisters, they mm -hmm. run their own businesses as well. I love it. So you said something at the very beginning. Your mom and dad had you. And as soon as that happened, your dad walked up the street, mm -hmm. got a job at McDonald's, and he hasn't left. He's been there since, right? <laughs> and and now he's in the corporate yeah. piece of McDonald's. Like, 
do you talk to him about that? Like, like how he's been in McDonald's for so long and he's seen so much, like how is he enjoying everything? And, and also what are some of the experiences that he shared with you that probably align with what you've seen in your own journey? So it becomes our experiences mm. because I've literally been here the whole time. Um, yeah. and I talk to my dad very, very often about his experience with McDonald's. Um, and he's done so many different jobs in McDonald's. So McDonald's has consultants as well. People so don't know that. They yeah. do not. McDonald's is a very, very large corporation. Um, it has multiple levels and dimensions to the, to the corporation. They have their own university system. They have their, their family um, division that really helps to promote things. So I remember McDonald's cookouts and um, mm -hmm. play dates and things like that, that on a normal level you would not see. But because my dad mm -hmm. works for the actual corporation, um, I got to experience those things and seeing it. And now it also helps in now building my empires. Um, <laughs> I have big dreams. Um, and how we deal with people and also the whole process around emotional intelligence when dealing with your people. Um, it's not just about how they show up or where they're showing up to. It's mm. the, how they feel once they leave as well. And mm. McDonald's does do a pretty good job of that where people still want to go back to their job um, over and over and over again. We may not mm. all agree with what they are serving or how they're delivering, mm -hmm. but they have their mission and purpose down really, really tight. So I talk to my dad very, very often um, about consulting more than anything else and asking him questions about how to deal with people and how do we actually build these structures that he has actually been a part of. So my dad started out, you know, flipping burgers, literally wiping off the counters. Now yeah. my dad plays golf. I don't know um, <laughs> when he really, really does. But now it's, yeah. it's at a different level and I can talk to him. I remember um, in my consulting business, I was doing some consulting with NIH, which is a cancer research facility in, in D.C. Mm. And I was so excited about an offer. Uh, part of the offer was for me to teach branding um, to all 52 states in their higher education department. So they have to have a higher education department I did not know about before. And mm. I was contracted to create a branding outline for this particular program. And I was excited. I made a five figure, you know, uh, invoice. I'm like, Daddy, this is going to be great. And he laughed at me. I was like, why did really? you do that? I was like, what do you mean? This is the most money I've ever, you know, to ask someone for. And he was like, you underbidded yourself. Mm. And you underbidded yourself by at least $75,000. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Who do you talk to other than another consultant that right. understands what people pay for corporate fees, for corporate trainings, mm -hmm. um, other than my dad? So where a lot of people have like mentors and things early, I didn't need those. I right. literally got a chance um, to go through my father and ask him a lot of questions. Um, I have more questions for him very soon <laughs> uh, about what to do next. Yeah. And because he took it so seriously, um, he wouldn't have been able to take it so seriously, but he had a baby. Right. So my dad took it very, very seriously. And because of his career, McDonald's has afforded us a lot. Um, McDonald's has brought and sold homes for my dad, has relocated um, the mm -hmm. full family. So it's been very beneficial to be able to call someone and say, hey, this is what's happening. And for them to really, really understand around billing, um, invoicing, customer service, client mm -hmm. retention, yeah. um, all of those things. That's, that's dope. That's dope. I like the fact that he told you, you know, that that was a tough conversation, I'm sure. But to say, look, like you underbitted yourself by seventy five thousand. But hey, next time you already now you know what to bid, you know, and you Never know how to again. move forward. Right. <laughs> That's dope. When when I look at um 
a lot of people that, you know, obviously you're in my circle and we talk, right? But a lot of people that I do talk to about business surprisingly aren't even entrepreneurs. Like they're in corporate settings. Mm -hmm. They're like high level execs and managers and stuff like that. And it makes sense because they have, at that level you have like an entrepreneurial mind because you've moved into that space of yeah. the corporation. You know, and you're coming from a structured environment, you know, versus the wild, wild west of entrepreneurship, you know, where you can do whatever you want. <laughs> whenever you want. But that's that's the illusion that we can yeah. do what we want whenever we want and yeah. not realizing that the greater good is the customer. Yes. So either you're serving into your purpose or you're serving to your client, yeah. but there is someone that you have to answer to. So that's the misconception in entrepreneurship um, that you can do whatever you want. You can. Very true. With stipulations right. and regulations for yourself and where you want to progress and what you want to do next. So I, I love the idea of people wanting to enter entrepreneurship, but entrepreneurship and business ownership is not even the same thing. Mm -mm. Um, there's a different level that comes with it. And then actually owning an empire or building a brand is a total different thing because now your scope is open to now it's not just the original purpose. The purpose nine times out of 10 has grown. The people hopefully have grown as well. Um, and usually the mission starts to expand after a certain amount of years. So my personal mm -hmm. mission um, from 16 years old, 17 years old to now, 20 plus years later, has definitely expanded, which allowed my reach to expand as well. Mm, it's amazing. So, you know, you're obviously an investor. We're going to get into that very soon. But I want to talk about the consulting side of things, right? <laughs> and how long have you been doing consulting? Um, I started consulting. That was actually the first uh, business when leaving corporate because that's what I knew to do, right? Mm -hmm. I've been managing businesses, owning store, uh, managing storefront businesses. What can I, what can you do? Let me consult other storefront business owners, and so I started consulting people that had small programs in their. Uh, they used to call them community school programs, um, building programs and school structure because I knew how to do programming, thanks to Limited 2. They had a Girl Scout program that I had to run at one period of time. And a part of the program, I want to share this because I think it's important that we're able to translate things that we have from workforce development, from school, from college, um, from our nine to five jobs and translate that into what we can do now. And so they had a program uh, and the, with the Girl Scouts and the program was to bring the Girl Scouts in. The Girl Scouts get a badge for it, but you get them a fashion show and they wanted them to try on everything. Like, no, mm. let them ransack the store, let them try on everything, including accessories, do a full fashion show. And then mm. at the end, they get to pick what they want. The mm. idea is hopefully for them to buy. Eight times out of 10, the parents bought everything. <laughs> Why? Because the girl did not only did she look good, but she felt good. And the mm. parents were able to see a transition in them in their confidence because the whole time it was a confidence booster. We were very wow. serving them, um, letting them get anything you want. How does it make you feel? It's your favorite color. It didn't matter if it matched. It did not match. But it was all about the actual feeling was mm. the end result. The and so, experience. Yes, complete client experience. So in, realize, in understanding that particular program, I was like, oh, I can do programming for youth. That was something that came to mind. I can do program for youth or if they have a clothing store, our mindset is very small. Mm -hmm. So I went to those people that I knew that either ran a youth type of program to help them build programming or they had a storefront business and like, let me help you to grow your business. And mm -hmm. immediately I can walk into any store at any time and say what's wrong. One, yeah. when it comes to marketing, are people able to share what you have? Um, how are you sourcing your products? Um, mm -hmm. What is your, your margins look like for your products? Are you really able to make money? Because this is a part of my job. So I literally just went into places 
trying to do my job, offered my services at first for free um, <laughs> to show people I know what I'm talking about. Right. Um, but it didn't start out six figures for sure. I struggled mm-hmm. for at least um, five, six years until right. I met my first coach. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's that's normal, right, in business whenever you first start. Whenever you first start, I feel like the majority of us, it's hard in the beginning, right? Because you're trying to figure out how to service people, how to market, how to get clientele, how to juggle all those things. And so when you think about it, the statistics say that what most businesses fail within the first, I think, three to five years. Three to five years. You know, so if you're able to make it past that and you have that longevity, yeah. that says a lot about you, you know. So that's, yeah. that's great. I was determined not to go back. I was determined yeah. that I realized that I was working extended hours, over 12 hour days, running full stores by myself at different times, understaffed. I felt like I was underpaid, but I wasn't. <laughs> um, thanks to my dad. Thank you, daddy. Um, but I just felt like I was doing too much, but I was very young. So I left mm. corporate at 23, almost 24. Mm. Um, I left corporate and was like, I'm never going back. But I knew all the work that it went into it. And I said, listen, if I'm doing this for somebody else, I can do this for myself. And so even when things got really hard, I'm a beans and rice girl. I ate beans and rice <laughs> for years. Um mm trying to build my business. And when I met my first coach, which I believe that every everyone needs a coach. Mm-hmm. At some level, you need someone that's outside of yourself to be able to see you because it's going to get very difficult in trying to hold that vision for yourself. So at, after five years of Heal a Woman to Heal a Nation, running this women's organization that's growing. Now, Heal a Woman to Heal a Nation actually was a very large organization that just closed the year before last, we ended up closing the nonprofit. Mm-hmm. But in all of its years, we've always been very successful. The very first conference had 100 women, and we oh, didn't wow. even know. We were like, wow, blown <laughs> away that 100 women is showing up mm-hmm. um, for this community service project, right? Mm-hmm. And so every year, the school would ask us to come back. So around the third year, the school was like, I know the community asking for you to come back, but this is not, a, you're not you don't go here no more. So right. <laughs> <laughs> How are we going to pay for this? Um, and we found other financing. That's when sponsorships started to become a big thing. PNC has been one of my sponsors before. CoverGirl has sponsored me before. Um, Pieces of Essence um, and, and editors from Essence have sponsored us before because the movement became so large. So mm. we went from at our, our lowest numbers, 100 women, yeah. to our highest numbers being over 600 women in one space at one time. We were having a pyrrhic victory. So lots of people were being inspired. Lots of lives were being changed. Lots of women were coming into the room. Um, lots of presenters, people speaking on our stages. We have some magnificent top tier people come, but it was a pyrrhic victory. What does that mean? We were not making any money. Mm. Everything that we were bringing in was everything that we were spending out. We were giving it away. It's a nonprofit, right? right? We're not supposed to make any money. Wrong. (laughs) You cannot serve and be hungry at the same time. That's true. So when I met my first coach, my first coach was Lisa Nichols. Okay. Um, I love, 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 love Lisa. Lisa changed my life. And not because... um, she said something I never heard before, but she ignited another side of me that I didn't understand. And that's where the my two worlds actually merged together. So on one side, I had this mindset of, I can go and do this on my own. Let me be a consultant. So I'm, I'm a consultant now, quote, right. unquote, broke consultant, but very much <laughs> consulting. And on the other yeah. side, I have this huge pyrrhic victory of a whole community of women. And she's telling me things like, girl, you have more people come to see you than me. I'm like, what do you mean? Mm. You don't know what you don't know. 
right? I'm still looking at this That's like deep. <laughs> very deep. Lisa tells the story, which is hilarious. Um, very, very deep. Um, at the time, her, her conferences were maybe like 500. Now she does way more. But um, she's like, yeah, I have 500. You have 600 plus people at your event. And I'm seeing all these people that are coming to support you. And you have sponsorships. What are you doing? And what I wasn't doing was looking at it as a business. Yeah. Immediately, um, Lisa had a partner. She was working with Susie Carter and Susie, Susie actually was in the hair industry and ended up selling her business. And Susie was like, wait a minute. Why are you being a little girl? Wow. <laughs> and I, it was like, Ooh, what does, yeah. what do you mean? She was like, no, put your big girl work panties on when you're talking about this organization and watch everything change for you. And after that, um, I joined Lisa's program. It was $47,500. I never forget it because I was super, super broke and was like, Miss, what? How much is this program? And for how long? It was one year. And the payments were $4,000 a month. And I wasn't even making $4,000 a month. (laughs) But I was like, God, I need to be here. Mm-hmm. But what happened was putting yourself um, in unprecedented situations, um, being hungry, wanting more, knowing that this is on purpose for a purpose, continue to stay focused on the goal, um, focusing on the why and not the how. All of those things showed up for me. And I was like, I have to do this. If God is sending these people to show up for me, something must be of value here. I know mm-hmm. something. And we changed the model a little bit, changed some pricing a little bit, got even deeper in with the sponsors. And I was paying those $4,000 a month payments. Like it was mm, nothing. Like water. Water. <laughs> and she was so surprised. The second month came around and Lisa called us on the phone and was like, is this for real? And, I, and we're like, what? I thought I did something wrong. Like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> she said, you paid your payment. Yeah. Yeah. On time. I, I paid on time. Right. Wow. And she says, yeah, you paid two payments on time. Where'd you get this money? I made it. You made it money. And so much so by the end, Lisa was like, girl, just have, don't even pay me no more. Cause she was just so in shock. Yes. Mm. In shock that from nothing, literally when I first, very first met her, I was in tears on the floor. Like, miss, I don't have any money. I have all these resources. How am I going to do this? I already took a step out on faith, trying to run the business. I'm really over these beans and black. I can't make black beans any other way. (laughs) What something has to shift. And that was the shift. The shift was having someone else to see something something that I could not to merge my two worlds of being um, a servant leader and being a business owner. I didn't realize I was a business owner at this point. You're consulting people, but now I was consulting. I was doing marketing. Um, I was helping people do logos and, you know, you start helping people do websites because I Mm -hmm. knew it was supposed to be on it. And I just started to challenge myself to do more. So now I'm a business owner hiring subcontractors to help me and support me, but did not have the mindset. Your mindset can change your money. Dramatically. Yeah. Dramatically. Wow. That was powerful. So as, as a consultant, right, you've seen so much. You've seen a lot of good. You've seen a lot of bad. Like, what is the most challenging thing you think a lot of entrepreneurs face in starting and running their business and even trying to get to that next level. Let's say that that level is six figures or even seven or eight. Cause you've seen, I'm sure you've worked with different kinds of businesses from probably startups to people who are already successful and they need to keep accelerating. What are some of the challenges that you've seen? The first challenge typically is mindset, Yeah. right? It's, it's very much the limiting belief window. You Mm. have a cap on, this is what I want to do. And sometimes what we desire and what is in front of us 
does not align immediately. And so holding on to the purpose and the end goal is very, very difficult, especially when you don't have a blueprint. So I work with the originals. I work with six figure entrepreneurs already who are scaling their business to seven to eight figures. Why do I work with originals? Because I know it's very difficult as an original to hold on to um, the mindset of success, to hold on to the mindset of prosperity and opulence and luxury and all of those things when there is nobody doing what you're doing. Mm. Um, When I was in college, I heard this poet in DC. He would say, can't nobody do it like you do it when you do what you do. Mm. And that stuck with me because I was like, yeah, (laughs) that is me. Can't nobody do it like you do it when you do what you do. Mm -hmm. And so not having a blueprint, if you're creating your own lane, you're creating your own wave, doing something that you don't see someone else doing, especially as a woman of color, a black woman. There's not a lot of black women uh, millionaires walking around talking to us. Right. They exist for sure. But being able to reach and teach and and learn um, and set the feet of it's not a lot of those people. So now I'm like, how is that possible for me? So then it becomes a smaller scope of, okay, what can I do? When I first said, if I made 5 million for you, I can make a million for myself. After I made the first million, then I was really confused because where's the goal? I was like, shit, right. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. There's more millions, Lord, you know? Um, and so the first step is really mindset. You have mm-hmm. to have a winner's mindset. You have to, from the very beginning, realize that you're creating a blueprint as that it does not exist, mm-hmm. which means you will have to go through the trials and tribulations yourself first and being okay with it. Once you actually can change your mindset and change your circle, changing your circle and having people that are actually speaking life, um, winners only sit with winners. Mm. You're going to be uncomfortable and not be able to sit with the winner. Um, you're going to remove yourself. But when you're hungry, when you can see the vision, when your mindset is changed, you're like, Oh, I belong here. You're not waiting for someone to give you a seat. I take a seat. Mm. Every room I walk into, I don't have to speak my name. You're going to ask me my name Mm -hmm. because it comes with energy. Um, It comes with a vision that you can just see imprinted on my skin. So the mindset is the very, very, very first thing that I would say for everyone. Find ways to encourage yourself. Find people that understand what you're doing and what you're creating. You do not need a lot of people to tell you what you can't do. Yeah. Um, on the other end, then I had my daddy like, Monica, do you still have your house? Do you still have your car? This is very interesting that you're doing this thing. <laughs> okay. And he would continue to check. You still have your house? You still have your car? And those are the things that helped me to say, hey, these are priorities I need to maintain. And thank God I have. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming you spend a lot of time working on mindsets. Yes. With clients. Every day. Every- mindset for even for myself. Even for yourself. Because it doesn't exist. Yeah. There's not a, a, a circle of sisterhood that's our women building multi-million dollar empires that doesn't exist Um, because it doesn't exist. I have to create it. So every day I have to find more ways to encourage myself and find people that when I can encourage myself, that will know that I am empty and important to me. Yeah. I think mindset, like you said, is that number one thing. Um, Because I'm I'm not a consultant, but I've worked with a lot of different small businesses as well. And I I can can definitely see that Um, if you don't have the right mindset, then it's hard to really, Elevate and go no. to the next level. Everything is going to be woe is me or I can't. That used to be one of my favorite things. I can, I can, <laughs> but you really, really can, yeah. and we can. Yeah. Um. Uh, Marie Forleo says everything is figureoutable. 
I like that everything is figure outable. So we've talked about consulting, right? Um, and you're an investor. Yeah. You have a lot of different business interests, right? I do. Can you name them? Like, talk to me about them. Oh, wow. Um, I have a couple of income properties in Thailand. I, I moved to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, kind of, maybe. Um, Thailand, Bali, um, looking at places in the Dominican Republic. So mm. property investment, um, holiday investment or vacation rental investment is very, very big for me. I think we should yeah. um, own these places, especially places I like to visit. So yeah. I want to have a home there and then be able to rent the spaces out when I'm not there. Um, other businesses, investments as well. I invest, I actually started a program inside of my consultancy six years ago now. Um, and the program was called co-CEO and mm. how this particular program worked was that I was realizing that inside of consulting with my clients, they really needed someone to sit in the seat next to them. So some people call them like fractionals, like, Oh, fractional mm -hmm. CO, fractional CPA. Mm -hmm. Um, they call them fractionals, but what worked best for me is being a co, meaning that I would help to facilitate your business as I facilitate my own. I will give mm. you very, very raw, um, information, details, resources, as if it was my business. And so I started that program for some of my higher tier clients that were getting results, but not seeing results as fast as I knew that I could help them to execute it. And if I worked in the business with them and not just on the business. So I select, uh, I, at the time I was selecting a handful of clients that I would roll into my co-CEO program. And from that program, um, I ended up making investments into some of those businesses. Mm. And now I co-own those businesses and that has really helped me to grow my portfolio a lot quicker, faster, sooner, um, by already partnering with people that know their stuff. Mm -hmm. They are very, very committed to the process, but also realize that, realize that two heads are better than one. Right. Realizing that having another expert sit aside me, just not beneath me, um, can really help me to grow. Now I can do a million dollars by myself, but I can do $5 million if I had a partner. Right. I'll take the 2.5. Yeah. And so because of that, um, my portfolio in the last four years has grown tremendously to a number of businesses in a number of industries. So I know that people teach focus, um, follow one course until successful. And I do follow that course. The course is business. Mm -hmm. I do business. I do money. Anything that's around trying to learn about more structure, more systems, more operations, more efficiency. I know that, which means I can work in any industry, hospitality. I can work in retail. I can work in yeah. beauty. Um, I can work in hair. And it's all the same to me because I understand my focus in my specific lane and what, where I can bring my own magic, my own blueprint that nobody else has. Yeah. It's beautiful because one of the things that you said was you can make a million by yourself, but partnering with someone, you can make five. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you can make even more than five, right? For sure. So partnerships, um, in my seat, being a CPA slash CFO for a lot of different companies, I've had the pleasure of working with a lot of different partners. You don't right? say. <laughs> but I've been seeing that there's been a lot of them over the years that end up not coexisting and they have to part ways or whatnot. So what is it that is making that allows you to be able to work so well with your partners? Is that a loaded question? <laughs> it is. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking, thinking of the quick and dirty version. Because each what, partner is different, I would think, right? Yes, so. because each personality is different. Yeah. And so in any type of partnership, it's like it is a marriage. 
Mm-hmm. So we go into, um, sometimes we go into marriages quicker than we get, you know, I say to buy a car or fix your credit, yeah. but going into a marriage, you have to understand the strength and opportunities of your partner. And so having partners, I have to realize the strength and opportunities of each partner and one, their mental capacity and how they operate, their emotional capacity, um, and how they feel and express themselves, because that's what happens. People get very, very emotional, um, within business. And then it crosses over into the professional, which is only emotional out outbursts, but mm-hmm. I'm too old to deal with temper tantrums, but everyone has them because we're all growing. Yeah. And so emotional intelligence is a huge part of my business. Um, as a consultant inside of my consultancy, I teach mind body medicine. Um, your mind has a reaction to your body. Um, and then the medicine, meaning like your food and things you put inside of your body mm. will show up on the outside. Um, your mental clarity, your fortitude, um, your levels of empathy. And so those are the things in my partnership that are important to me, not just the money, because I can make money with anybody. I can make money by myself, but the relationship is what's going to help us to catapult to another level that you have to take care of the relationship. And there are boundaries in a professional relationship. Oftentimes when you're working in intimate partnerships, maybe two, you know, less than three or four owners or so, um, you cross lines, you cross lines of intimacy, of personal relationships, personal family and, um, entanglements. And now people are more committed to your family issues than you are. And so right. there are still boundaries within the professionalism that I, I like to keep and establish that we are here for the money. We are here for the people. We are here for this purpose, not my individual life purpose, not your individual life purpose, but the perp- purpose of this mission and this vision for this particular strategy. If it's an event, if it's a company, if it's an investment property, remember why you and I got together and we hold on to that. And you have to forge those relationships. Right. I think it's important to know that when you're in business, whether it's by yourself or with somebody, that it's really not about you, but it's about the client that you're serving. Yes. Right. Like making sure that you're doing everything that it takes to make that experience amazing for that person. And I think sometimes, you know, that can get lost, you know, and it can be about us. I believe blessings come from the top. If you don't feel yourself to to be blessed, um, if you don't feel yourself to be loved, we often teach what we want to learn the most. Mm. So in knowing that and understanding that, I'm very grateful for starting out in a nonprofit, right? I did a lot of women's empowerment, a lot of motivational, lots of of retreats and things of refresh and renew. Those are the themes, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, unlimited woman, you know, those are the themes. Yeah. Um, and having those themes like really fester in my spirit, I had to live it. And so understanding brands and brand management, you have to become your brand. And so remember that we're not just selling um, a scene out of a movie. We're literally selling to people's souls and whatever Mm. moves your soul is where you're going to be committed to. And so in partnerships, we have to remember that, too. Yeah. How respectful am I being of your soul? Am I taking care of your soul? Your family is important. So we can't just say, oh, your family isn't important in this business. But knowing that your partner is having personal intermarital issues, family Mm. issues, they're sick, their children are sick. You have to take into consideration and put things in place that can still sustain the partnership and also hold space for that partner. So I like to stay in my lane with with my partners Um, Mm -hmm. and and the partnerships that I I currently have. um, My partners are the specialists, meaning I have a, a juice master. You know, I have a master cosmetologist that I work with. I have an investor, a really huge investor that I work with. So you can tell me where to put the money, but I need to make the money. You know, you can tell me how to do the hair, but I'm going to tell you the process and how much we're going to charge to do this hair. You know, I want to show you the process. You can make the juice because I'm not making no juice, (laughs) but there's a system and a program that people need for them to invest.
invest themselves in saying yes to this store, saying yes to this particular business, and ultimately yes to this lifestyle. Right now, and I want to say our society, in our country, because it's, it really is an American thing. We don't want to say it. it's an American thing. Our culture is, is American culture, um, very much lifestyle. Everything's a lifestyle. Everybody's a lifestyle influencer. Right. It has to take over your whole life. So knowing that, let's create it. Let's mm-hmm. create the merchandising that, that goes on top of it. Let's create the emotional intelligence that has to go with every aspect. Even in your business as a CPA, what, how are you triggering your clients mentally? You can talk about their money, but if they're defeated when it comes to their money, they will not hear you. At no all. matter what <laughs> you suggest, all, yeah. they will not be able to see your vision. <clears throat> um, I can, I can say yes to that. Um, <laughs> if you're not in the right mindset of, okay, how is this reacting in my body? Um, what are the trauma drama that I've dealt with in my own family history around money that can help to shift me now to this new state? I don't know any uh, millionaires in my family. So I had no one to look up to. Oh, this is how you're supposed to mm. do, um, say, or be, or wish, or envision. I didn't have that. So I have entrepreneurs in my family. Um, I have lots of preachers and teachers in my family. Mm. So I'm not afraid to speak. I'm not afraid to teach. I'm not afraid to take the chance, but I'm very confident to say I make a whole lot of money, but keeping it is not my forte. (laughs) So I have to hire people that want to keep my money, but Mm -hmm. not keep my money just for themselves, but for the bigger vision for themselves. So people like you that are eight figure focused, I'm all committed. Mm. How we work together because keeping the money or restoring the money, repurposing the money is a part of your personal focus. That's a good partnership. I can make it you can keep it. This is why this will work. Where someone else is like, I'm the CEO. I'm the master what I of say all goes. things. <laughs> what I say is, no, hire people that are smarter than you. Work with people that are smarter than you. I love niche-focused people because in your niche, you can get rich. Right. I love it. And I think you you get it. And that's why, you know, for those that don't know, Monkey is a client of ours, right? <laughs> <laughs> And and it's been an amazing experience working with you and really? Denise because <laughs> y'all understand like our focus and what we're trying to do. I don't think you guys look at us as like, hey, these are like our employees that we're bringing in to work for us. You know, you guys look at us like, hey, these these people, this team is a money team for us. They're Absolutely. strategizing a lot of things for us. They are helping us to handle a lot of the finance pieces of the business mm-hmm. so that we can focus on growing and doing bigger business, right? Absolutely. And I think that mindset, like you said, is a huge thing. You've, like, if I had met you, let's say 20 years ago, it probably wouldn't be like it is now, you know what I'm saying? So No, at all. I'd have been so, like, excuse me, sir? Right. How much? <laughs> From who? <laughs> so I, I think a lot of times um, experiences in life and different um, triumphs that, that we've had mm-hmm. allows us to open us up to more, right? So now whenever you come and you say, hey, I want to work with EFS Group, you actually are open to that because you've already experienced a level of success. Yeah. And also you have to trust the people that you hire. Mm-hmm. It's an investment. So 
if I'm going to make this level of investment to EFS group, I have an expectation. And the expectation can't only fall on EFS. It has to fall on my team as well to Mm -hmm. follow up, to make sure I'm saying what we need. I'm telling you our goals and our vision. And you can come back to us and say, hey, this is financially what makes sense. Mm -hmm. And you have to trust the people that you work with. So oftentimes we hire people um, to fulfill a position, but we don't allow them to fulfill the position. We don't allow them to put their own magic on it. We don't allow them to um, scale and tell us, well, we actually can do this better. No, I'm open to it, especially for experts. Now, I'm not going to listen to probably the guy that's cleaning my windows about you know, what I should do with my money. But if I'm hiring this person with all these credentials that has a fully capable staff that is very, very focused on their own financial goals, what I know is in order for you to be successful, your clients have to be successful. Oh, sign me up. Mm -hmm. And in order for me to be successful, every single employee in my, in my company has to be successful, has to feel loved, nurtured and supported because if they don't, they're going to try to find somewhere else to go. So it's a complete package being able to not only serve, uh, one, serving yourself, making sure that you are fulfilled because whatever comes from the top flows down, but two, serving your people. I'm a servant leader first. I'm always going to show up for the people first. Showing mm. up for the people for me is showing up for myself because I, I am the people, right? Mm-hmm. I've been the entrepreneur working a job trying to figure out what is my next. I've been the entrepreneur trying to be a business owner and create this facade. I have this huge team. Y'all, please stop that, by the way. <laughs> please, y'all. Do not create. It's okay to be a solopreneur. It's okay to, to hold the fort for yourself. It's okay right. to be a contractor. That's like a nasty word or somehow become a nasty mm-hmm. thing to do. Um, but I understand the importance of that. And so knowing that and that everyone has their goal, you have to also look at your retention. Well, how, how often are people going to transition in and out? Two years, three years, um, and then you can plan for it. So people typically stay within our salon system. So my partner, Bernice Samuels, um, is an amazing entrepreneur. Um, I met Vernice actually in middle school. Um, and so when I was in that process of building from consultant to, um, it's so much that I actually missed now I'm thinking about it from consultant to business owner, right. um, Vernie saw what I was doing in my, my first salon business. So I had two other salons in Maryland before now, um, being co-owner in Sheelock Central Hair Care Studios. Um, I had a store called, uh, Rapunzel Me, which was a natural, was not natural, which was a hair extension, um, salon. We only did extensions. So let's talk about that. So yeah. how long did you have Rapunzel Me? Rapunzel Me started in 2013. Okay. Um, and I ended up selling the company or giving the company. Um, my sister now runs the company. So it went from Rapunzel Me, which was our first location um, in 2013. In 2014, we opened a second location um, and we actually changed the name to All Things Beauty because mm. it went from just hair extensions to now we were growing um, this platform and now we were doing eyelashes and um, laser lipo and makeup. And so it became a beauty center. Um, and so that was the second location inside of a mall. So that was the first time I've ever was a mall. So I mm. went from a strip mall being the first location to a inside of the actual mall was the second location. And by the time we got to the mall location, um, not understanding contracts and the ups and downs of what they actually mean, we got bought out. So someone saw wow. how great the location was doing and was like, oh, I want that spot. And having a temporary lease for anyone who doesn't understand temporary leases in a mall, 
they can give you 30 days and you got to go. So I did all this construction, put all this money. Are you serious? So you're telling me that the person went to the owner of the mall mm -hmm. and was like, I want this location. Not even the owner, the mall management office and said, hey. Yeah. Is this location available? And they're like, oh, it's under temporary leasing. Um, this is the current lease rate. And they outbid me by $2,000. I couldn't afford it. I just, this is my second right. store. I'm just learning how. This is my first time in the yeah. mall. Like, you want me to pay additional $2,000 on top of all this construction that we did? And you did a lot of, like, improvements. Yeah. <clears throat> Full demo. And the improvements... Um, I guess you let them, I guess, stay because obviously if you, you have them, to, you have to. Like, take, what do you do? Wow. You, you completely demo the salon when you leave. Yeah. No. Right. So not knowing I invested all of this money. This is the things that happen in entrepreneurship that we hate to talk about. Mm -hmm. Right. It's the growth. I spent a lot, a lot, a lot of money on renovations. I didn't understand leasing and I didn't have any support. Right. There's no one mm -hmm. that has this blueprint. Um, at the time, these businesses, uh, I was working with my little sister um, who ended up taking it on to something else. I was totally distraught after this. Like, I'm not doing a salon. They they cut me out. And I was going to ask you about that. Bad taste in my mouth. I was hurt. Feelings emotionally yeah. distraught. The that, average person that would have wiped out and that they would have been done with entrepreneurship. And you kept going. Yeah, I decided, okay, I'm going to focus more on consulting. Yeah. Um, I had even more clients now because now I have a, a, a blueprint, right? Mm -hmm. Now I'm able to show success. So there are many entrepreneurs like, oh, I've been successful, but can't show you um, the success. But because it's a second store, well, yeah, the second store helped us get to that million dollar mark. So mm -hmm. now I can show you a million dollar budget that I've been able to execute a million dollars worth of sales. I can show you a full staff that I've been able to run on my own. And it was no longer, this is what I did at Limited Brands. This is what I did at BCBG. No longer was it that. This is, this is what I did on my own now. Mm -hmm. And so that helped me to catapult to other things. This is when Vernice really reached out to me and was like, Hey, I'm just starting out in my mom's basement. I love her story, by the way. You have to get her to come. And oh, tell she's it. coming. Um, this is how I started. I'm starting coming. in my mom's basement and she reached out to me to do the logo and then reached out to me again to do the website. And then before we knew it, I was on um, retainer. She's one of my retainer clients and I was helping her um, on a monthly basis, just consulting her. Hey, this is what you should do. We did the first salon. Then the second salon was coming around and she's like, I think I need a little bit more help. And so I started coming and flying in and doing more hands-on with her. And by the time we were going to the third, fourth, now fifth location, by the third location, it was like, you know, I really believe um, in what you're doing. Um, I understand this industry and I would love to invest in this project. How do I become a part of this team? And... I love it. So I don't know. Millions of dollars later. <laughs> you had a location that started in 2013 called Rapunzel Me with your 20, sister. Yeah, 20, 2013. You started another location. Mm -hmm. And then once you did that, you changed the name to All Things Beauty. Mm -hmm. And then you were in a temporary lease at the second location. And then you did a bunch of improvements to that location. And then somebody came to the mall management and was like, hey, I want this location. Yeah. Can I bid on it? They, they outbid you. And then they took over the location. Mm -hmm. And then around that time was when Vernice had reached out to you. And then y'all started partnering up with Shaylocks. Wasn't and even partner. I was just consulting. You were consulting Shaylocks. Strictly brand consulting at first. It wasn't even business consulting. It was strictly, okay, I see this brand. 
you did it once with Get Rapunzel. So the caveat to Get Rapunzel, uh, which was really great, is it was started from nothing. So for people that believe you have to have all this money, all this resources, all this capital to start um, a business, that is a lie. Um, it was all on pre-sales. The very first day of sales, literally, I was up that morning at 5 a.m., to start the website because I was very lax. <laughs> um, so from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., I was working on this website. We took some pictures the day before. My sister did um, some of her girlfriend's hair and my friend took the pictures, professional photographer, but my friend took the pictures. And the next day uh, we made this launch. So we did all these flyers and things. We're, we're launching this product. We're launching this hair. We had nothing, literally zero. We didn't even have pictures. We just had a flyer. So so my coach told me, you sell it, sell mm -hmm. it first. Um, and then you create it later. So I'm listening to my coach. So wow. we sold it. Hey, we're going to sell virgin hair extensions. Hey, we're going to have the number one brand. And we had samples, took the pictures of the samples, two hours. It took me to do the website. First day, $30,000. Wow. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. All on Squarespace, however y'all, whatever the fourteen ninety nine yeah. was for Squarespace. I didn't pay my friend. My sister didn't pay her friends. Thirty thousand dollars the first day. I lost it. I can imagine. What? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. And then comes the fulfillment. So I did that with Get Rapunzel. And then now we were doing all things beauty, which is my sister's idea. Like, no, we can do more. And she started to see what the branding starts to look like for all things beauty. Um, she actually just, my sister was my first millionaire. Um, she just launched a whole new campaign because now she runs all things beauty by herself. Um, very, very beautiful store. And the mm. branding it, is what got the acceptance first. This was before people were really doing social influencing and social media was just starting to really, really brew around this time. Mm -hmm. And so that helped. But Vernie saw and was like, hey, I don't know anything about this. Now, Vernie does have a marketing degree. Let's be very clear. This lady right. is very smart. But she also understands that she loves hair. She loves natural hair, the full process of locking locks, um, the process and the maturation of locks. Um, hair care is a, a huge thing for her and her mm -hmm. family. And so I was committed to the fact that this is what she wanted to do. And I just wanted to help. Servant leader. Right. Sure, I'll do logo. Sure, I'll do the website. Then I'm like, wait a minute. This thing's blowing up. <laughs> you're missing these holes, being okay. able to see yourself. Yeah, you're missing the gaps. How can I support you in fulfilling these gaps? And mm -hmm. it worked out for all of us. It worked out for our whole family. Um, and everybody gets to reap the benefit of mm -hmm. a partnership that was not forced at all. Because I actually knew Vernie's from way middle before. School. Yeah, middle school. <laughs> so, okay. So, you... you started consulting with Renice, helping mm -hmm. her in so many things. Then at what point did it, did you guys just say, you know what, we're like working together. Why don't we partner? When Renice became a part of my co-CEO program. Okay. Um, so it wasn't like a, oh, we had an aha moment. Mm -hmm. It was honestly a natural progression of what was happening in the business. Right. So it was, hey, this is working. Right. Okay, now let's try this. This is what we can do with the staff. This is what we can do with operations. This is what we can do with the pricing. Oh, it's still working. Mm -hmm. And so because things were actually working, every time I said something, Vernice has always said yes. Yeah. I'm waiting. No, I'm not waiting. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but she has said yes because she trusted my expertise and I have to trust hers mm -hmm. in that and what she's telling us now we have a, um, a hair care line. Like there's so many layers to the business now. It's not just a hair salon anymore. So right. now, you know, now we have a university. Now we're doing training. Um, soon we'll have licensed cosmetologists coming through our program as well. So it mm -hmm. has grown way far beyond then the original conversation of I have a hair salon. I'm doing hair in my mother's basement. Um, mm. It was herself also opening her eyes to a larger vision than where she was. It was mm -hmm. hair salon. I need this hair salon. Mm -hmm. She's doing the hair. I'm like, girl, we need a product. She's like, cool, I'm going to make the product. Okay, right. I'm going to brand the product. And before we knew it, it became, hey, two heads are better than one. Um, mm -hmm. What what I'm actually being paid is not feasible. It, this is, it needs way more time and, and attention. Mm -hmm. I'm in money that I, I see that currently this business doesn't have. But if I make this investment, how do we work this out later? And mm -hmm. that's what it's about. One, having proper communication with the people that you want to work with. Um, my coach taught me, you do it for free to get your fee. So it was never necessarily a free thing with us. It was, I know I'm not being fully compensated here. I'm not going to badger um, my client on, oh, I'm not getting, I hate when people do that. Right. Don't do me any favors. I wasn't planning on doing her any favors. I was con committed to the mission and the purpose of what we were doing. I was seeing how people's lives were changed, not just our clients, but I'm seeing how these employees, now our employees will tell you they're buying houses they never purchased before. They're taking their children on vacation. They're buying, I have a young girl, 21 years old, has bought her second brand new car yeah. because of what we are co-creating together, which is magic. So it, it wasn't, Oh, I see what you're doing. Let me hop on your bandwagon. It was like, no, we both saw what we were doing. She saw what I was already doing in my own salon system and marketing and branding that she asked a little bit, right? You trust people a little bit until they give you um, enough autonomy to learn more. Right. And she trusted enough that what I was saying and who I was being was very real enough that we created something that was larger than the first get Rapunzel at 30K a day. Yeah. I do 30K an hour. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I know we've talked about a lot, but one of the favorite questions that I like to ask people when they come on, right, especially successful entrepreneurs like yourself, is how has knowing the numbers in your business impacted your business? Wow. Okay. So... Knowing the numbers is the business. Yeah. If you don't know your numbers, if you don't really understand your true capacity, how are you going to leverage? How are you going to scale? It's impossible because then what are you chasing? Right. So we can do the simplest of numbers, you know, a hundred dollars. People are like, oh, I charge a hundred dollars an hour. Well, is it actually an hour? Could you have mm -hmm. an hour prep before? Are you sending them questions, preliminary questions? And then hours after what does the follow-up look like so it may end up being three hours but you're charging a hundred dollars an hour right. then a hundred dollars an hour did you go meet them in person did you utilize gas did you actually have lunch right Did you use your cell phones use your electricity mm -hmm. so by the time you actually get down to the hundred dollars it may end up being fifty dollars an mm. hour but you believe that you're making a hundred dollars an hour right. you are not and then you're wondering why things are not progressing um, because you have to know your numbers. You have to know your numbers. You have to understand your margins. You have to understand your percentage of sales. Mm -hmm. um, you have to understand your people. Are they being productive? You know, that's something recently I've been Ooh. on top of. Are, are people actually being productive? Um, I want to pay them more. But if you're not being productive here, um, what do I need to do? What do we need to move around to make the money make sense? If the right. money is not making sense, we are not going to be successful. So that's a huge thing. We undervalue, you know, our services often, but sometimes people are 
overvaluing their services. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, that's a you know, a bad thing. Some people are, which puts a dent in the market. So you have people that may charge now consulting. I'll make up some numbers. They may charge $1,000 for a consultancy. Why? Because high ticket sell, right? You sell mm. high and watch it fly. You know, so many different things. <laughs> but when that person doesn't produce on that $1,000 consultation, now they don't want to invest anymore. Mm. Now you have cut someone off. Now you can't even say, where did that money go? So for my clients specifically, I make my own money. I'm never going to charge you anything that I'm not going to teach you how to make. Why? Because I want you to produce it over and over and over again. But the only way for me to understand that is knowing my numbers, knowing how much money I actually produce. I remember I asked you and Rita, I was like, okay, I want to do some VIP days. How much? Do you remember remember that? I remember this one. Yes. (laughs) And I was sweating because, you know, I knew what I was charging for my VIP days. And I'm like, okay, how much? And I was like, I'm going to ask Rita. And Rita came back with a higher number. And I'm like... (laughs) So what do you do when you ask the people that now see your money, that Mm -hmm. run your money, what to charge? Do you say no? Right. That would not support me. It would not support my vision or my goal for me to lower myself to say, oh, I'm going to charge $10,000 for a VIP day. Right. When no, Monica's VIP days are how much, Ephraim? (laughs) (laughs) 30,000. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that's not just me or sometimes it's the ego within ourselves to say, oh, I'm going to charge this much. It's the value that you're able to produce. Mm -hmm. So knowing your numbers and how much you're actually spending, how much you're actually really making down to the cent. I I time everything, every piece of tissue inside of the salon, every washcloth, everything that's being washed and dried. Everything matters. Um, Our gifts to our clients, our gifts to our employees, birthday gifts, all of it really, really matters to see how much money are we really making? What should our margins look like? How much do I really need to charge for this service to make sure it's impactful? And also I'm able to take care of myself and the people that I'm responsible for. No, that's dope. So one of the things why this question is important, right, is because a lot of times when I meet with people um, and you really dig into the numbers, you find out that there's no profit, right? And as a minority, black and brown entrepreneur, a lot of times we feel like profit is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have profit in your business, how can you expand? How can you grow? How can you pay people properly? How can you pay yourself so that way you can take care of the things that you need to take care of? You know, so those things are very important to like really dive deeper into. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a, a consultation recently where, yeah, it was pretty evident that wow, I'm spending so much money on all these different things and I'm not making any money and I got to go to the bank and get lines of credits, which you're supposed to do, right? But a lot of times when we do that, it's to stay afloat in business, whereas that line of credit is really supposed to help you expand and grow. But we normally go get it whenever we're like on our last dollar and our last dime, right? You're trying to save something that is already sinking. Yeah. And we're not supposed to get to that point where you're actually sinking in the ship. Mm -hmm. The whole point is to stay afloat. The whole point is to travel the world, right? That's the big picture of us having the freedom as entrepreneurs is I want to be able to grow and do what I want and mind freedom and time freedom and money freedom. But you're not going to be able to have that type of freedom in a sinking ship. It's impossible. And so... Um, I've been blessed enough that now walking into a season after making a lot of money now, I'm like, okay, well, 
do I really need a loan? <laughs> you know, um, but everyone doesn't have that because I'm a part of many industries that have a lot of revolving door mm-hmm. income, lots of money transfers very early on um, buying products and, and reselling products was already five figures. It was very much $70,000 became my norm, right? My first day, $30,000 in sales, half of that I need to spend out. I need to spend $15,000 to get it. And so very early on, um, I started to see the numbers and I wasn't afraid to spend the money. Oftentimes we're afraid to spend the money, but it's because you don't understand your margins. You don't understand your profitability. If I can make $30,000 by spending $15,000, I'm spending $15,000 every day because I'm doubling my money over and over and over again. And some people will be like, oh no, that's too much money. I want to be able to spend five and make 30. Duh, everybody does. But that's not Mm. how it always works. If you spend $100,000 to make $25,000, $25,000, are you going to do it? I am yeah. every time because mm-hmm. it's still a high enough in, a return on my investment that I'm able to actually see the impact. And so we spend money or we have a lot of businesses at six and even seven figure businesses that you're rotating this money is coming in, but all of it is going out. And so inside of the business and diving deep, it's like all of it cannot go out. There's emergencies at every single level. The pandemic was a huge emergency for a lot of us and many businesses did not uh, make it. Mm. All of my businesses made it. Wow. Everybody was able to get paid. On products alone, the salons survived and we paid our bills Mm. because I already saw it coming. There was foresight, there was predictions and okay, what do we do? How do we make adjustments? How do we help our staff? Because a lot of people had a lot of turnover. Now we did after the fact, people were getting sick and all of those things, but immediate impact as far as doors closing never was on the table for any of us. Um, My properties were, were for the most part empty. But planning for the best, having profitability, having money in the bank, all of my properties are still very viable. Wow, that's powerful. So profit, y'all, make sure if you can take anything away. There's so much to take away from this episode, right? But one of the biggest things to take away as you're listening right now is to go sit down with whatever service or product that you're selling and really start to look at how much you're charging and what are the costs of everything that is, are associated with whatever it is you're selling, right? You might be, your eyes might get wide open to how much profit is left at the end, you know, but you want to really find out what that margin is because that money that is the excess of what you are um, spending on whatever it is you're selling, it's supposed to take care of your marketing, your payroll, paying yourself, rent, all the other things, right? So it's very important that you get that together. Man, this has been great. Um, I, you know, I do have some more questions for you. <laughs> we can do this all night. That's Man. the problem. Yes, yes. <laughs> and we and we you talked know, about Bali. We haven't. Let's talk about that, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> you, so there's a lot of people that I know, right, that haven't really had a chance to travel or they've had the chances, but they just haven't. Maybe because they're scared to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, they might They might not have anyone to travel with, you know, but... You've had a lot of different travel experiences. Yeah. What opened up your eyes to really traveling around the world and seeing things and wanting to continue going? And how has that impacted your business? 
questions. Okay. I just asked you like three or four questions. <laughs> I know so many. And I know, I know we're running short on time. So what happened to me is um, as an entrepreneur, right? So this is many years ago now, so around 2017, I was, I was doing pretty well for myself already, but I felt very, very stagnant in my spirit. And I know there are people that can relate to feeling stuck and stagnant and feeling like there's no motion. Like, what am I supposed to do next? And I had a, a very simple prayer. I would always ask God to allow me to work anywhere in the world I choose. Like, God, please allow me to work anywhere in the world I choose. And we see these visions and we see these big trips and everyone's on vacation and living mm. their best life. And woe is me. So, yeah, I have this money. I'm creating these systems, these businesses, but I'm doing not enough. I'm operating at 30%. And only you can say how much you're really operating at. I've been operating at 30% for many, many years yeah. um, in my gifts, hiding inside of my gifts, hiding inside of who I be and, and who I am. And I remember just praying this prayer, God, please allow me to work anywhere in the world I choose. Please allow me to work anywhere in the world I choose. And one day I literally popped up in the bed and God was like, but you're not choosing. Mm. Very, very simple. And the very next day, I had a woman call me um, from D.C. I met her two years ago and she said, I need you. She One, she was surprised I answered the phone. I do answer the phone. Hi, <laughs> you can Google me. Um, she's very surprised I answered the phone. I'm like, yes, I, I'm a consultant. Of course I answered the phone. How can I support you? And she's telling me about her business and all the things and how we met two years before. And I'm like, yes, okay, this sounds amazing. I'm sure I can support you. And she says, but there's one thing. She says, I'm building it in Thailand. Mm. And immediately all my bells went off and I was like, book the ticket. Mm. That was my next words to her with book the ticket. But wait, 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 how much are you going to charge me? <laughs> I don't know how long I said, book the ticket and we'll figure out everything else out later, but book the ticket. And she called me three days later and she had booked the ticket for me to come and work with her in Thailand. Wow. And the contract we ended up working out, I was supposed to work with her for two weeks. And then I was supposed to vacation for two weeks and she's supposed to take care of it all as a part of my agreement. Um, but in the process, I had created my own agreement for myself and my own vision for my life. And I was like, I'm not coming back here. Where I am today is not where I want to be. It does not feel good for me to be here. So I'm leaving. And I packed up my whole house um, and I started promoting online. Some You can go back and see it. I was like six. Uh, first, I was afraid to say six countries. I was like mm. six cities in the next six months. That was my right. thing because I was so afraid to say six countries because this would have been my only my third time going out the country. The first time going out the country by myself to work, right? I don't even know, can I work here? I don't know, but we going. And I packed up my house and I started saying six cities in six months. And by the time I got to Thailand, um, I was completely in awe of everything that I saw, that I felt. Um, I love Thailand. I love Thai people, Thai food. It was an amazing experience for me being there. And I ended up going from mainland Thailand to the Thai islands, to the Malaysian islands, to mainland Malaysia. Um, I lived in Mexico. I lived in Colombia. I just kept going to different places. But as I'm going to these places, I was being hired. I ended up doing a women's retreat in uh, Cuba, uh, <laughs> so every time when I was being flying to a new, flown to a new place, people were paying for me to come. Why? Because now my vision is opened. Mm. Now my scope is opened. I've claimed six cities in six months and they've seen me in Thailand. So it was like, oh, Thailand, let me, let me invite you, you know, to come to Cuba. Let me invite you to come to Mexico. And I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah. Um, buy the ticket. You know, that was the thing, <laughs> buy the ticket. Um, and as I continue to say yes, to these opportunities, because of who I am, it opened other doors for me. Being in Thailand, I was like, how much is this rent? 
can I rent this? Can I Airbnb this? Okay, house in Thailand. Mm. So then I go to another place. I got stuck in Bali. <laughs> Bali was not my choice. I got stuck in Bali. So yeah. I was stuck in Bali for the pandemic. I'm like, I can own this? How do I? I didn't know it wasn't your choice. Okay. No. So you were the traveling, just visiting. I went and then you from got stuck. Thailand on vacation to Bali. Yeah. And because of the pandemic, the king closed the gates to Thailand. Wow. And so my house was fully furnished, all my things at home, because I went on vacation with a backpack and I ended up in Bali. But as an entrepreneur, a business owner, I saw opportunity. So now I have an import and export company out of Bali. So I <laughs> import and export um, <laughs> home furnishings um, from Bali alongside of having Airbnbs pulled there now. Yeah. And so... It's just, you never know. You don't know what you don't know, right? Mm -hmm. And we are who we are everywhere in the world. I am who I am. Everywhere in the world, I'm still going to be myself. I still have my own body. I still have my own mind. And I get to create choices and opportunities where I see fit. And so going to Thailand, I was invited to go to Thailand. I need that invitation, right? For my personal mental capacity. I needed someone to invite me before I would actually go mm. because I could, I could have been went right. Easily, yeah. But I need the invitation. So God gave me the invitation, which once I got there, I'm like, wait a minute, I see how this could work for me. When I got to Bali being stuck, quote unquote, mm -hmm. I saw how it could be a beneficial to me. And so I've been traveling now for the last five years. Um, I still very much so run my businesses. I work on businesses now, less inside of them. Right. And this is why partnership is very beneficial to someone like me that wants to have literal time freedom. So where some people are like, oh, I don't ha I don't want to go to the nine to five. I work variations of a nine to five with staff meetings. I work overnight when I'm in other countries. Um, with my staff because that's necessary, but I get to create this life that I choose. And as I'm entering into new relationships, um, whether personal or business, everyone understands the role and my commitment and what I'm committed to. So that's very, very important on being clear of how you're going to show up so that other people can work with you. None of my right. partners have a problem with me um, living and working abroad because when I need to, I'm going to show up. Right. I love it. So I guess one of my final questions is going to be around having hair salons, right? Because, you know, when you're on social media, the whole hair uh, industry, like, I feel like it's for some reason this summer, there's been a lot of craziness going on with uh, people who want to get their hair done and hairstylists. It's like a war or whatnot. But, um, you know, people always talk about, I guess, their experiences. Right. But you guys, you and Vernice have four, moving on to five locations. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are struggling to even have one location. Matter of fact, a lot of people are struggling to even have a salon suite. Yes. How are y'all, like, what's the, what's the secret? How are y'all expanding like that and serving all these people that need their hair locked and getting all these beautiful ladies to come in and, like, lock hair? Like, you know, like, talk to me about that. So first, <laughs> we are the number one natural hair care conglomerate in the country. Mm. We don't just own hair salons. Um, Let them know. <laughs> vision and mindset is important in how you show up in your business. Mm -hmm. So if you look at yourself as a salon suite, you're going to be treated as, as a salon, salon suite. suite. Yeah. Um, we were never a small business, especially not after we decided to partner. We were always global. Every employee for the last 10 years will tell you that Monarchia showed up and said, we're doing next level. 
every mm-hmm. year was like next level and every year I have produced next level because that's my promise to them is next level. But the promise is not just to the employees, it's to the customers of a next level experience for the customers. Right. And so in the natural hair industry, oftentimes we are at the bottom. Meaning we sit on the floor to get our hair done. People talk gossip over our heads. You eat, you talk on the phone. Um, we don't do that in our salons. We create a very, uh, I want to say, you know what you're going to get when you come into a Shaylock's Natural Hair Care Studio. Um, there is a perception and there is a reality that happens inside of the salon, which comes with systems and operations. Most stylists fail because they are talent. They don't understand mm, business. The business side. So they're not looking at their PLs. A PL, if you ask a salon suite owner what a PL is, she'll probably be like, excuse me, you're um, speaking French. And not because she's well, it is because she's ignorant and not in the fact of being negative connotation. It's right. the facts. You don't know accounting. You don't know what you don't know. So uh, counseling is a huge part of the beauty industry. You sit in the barber's chair, you get therapy. You sit in the solitaire, you get therapy. Sure. So how yeah. do you manage that? So we try to manage the temperament of the salon. So there's right. emotional intelligence and the music that we choose and the conversations we have with our stylists and our stylists' self-care and their own personal worth and value to being part of a team. We teach mm. team in our salons. There's no eyes here. Why? Because women get sick. Women get pregnant. Women are under emotional distress. So what happens to your clients during those period of time. They go to someone else, mm-hmm. but not at a Shaylock's Natural Hair Care Studio. You go into the stylist in the next chair and it's not a problem. You get to choose anybody here, any day here. Why? Because we have a training system where we all follow the same rules. We only use Shaylock's Natural Hair Care products, so the products are always going to be the same. You book through the same person. So you may like someone's temperament over someone else, which is fine, but you're going to be okay with sitting in anybody's chair because we teach team here. We don't teach I. And so our customers like it. They, they appreciate the consistency. Um, they love being able to rely on the consistency that you're going to be open when you say you're going to be open, mm-hmm. that someone's going to be there to service me. And so it's hard for many salon owners being both um, owner and talent. So you have a lot of, of owners like, I want to get from behind the chair, but you don't have a system to get from behind the chair. You want a booth rent. Booth rent, you're cutting your legs off. You're only right. going to be able to um, make as much as the real estate allows you to make. Um, so it's, it's so many different layers in owning a salon where talking to lots of, you know, beauty owners or beauty product owners who did have salons before and grew their business that way. Like, I would never have a hair salon. Thank you. And I will have all of them for you Um, because we understand all the components that go into owning a salon. And now we're creating opportunities for other people to learn our system and create their own salons as well. And so we knew we needed products. That's why we're a number one hair care conglomerate. Nobody has four salons or five salons and a product line that is strategically for their salons. We don't use anything else inside of our salons and we're making more products. Why? Because we're going to monopolize the whole thing. That's the intention. When you come here, I know what's going inside of your hair. I know the treatment that I'm able to provide. I have a trichologist, someone that actually deals with scalp and, and a issues. trichologist? Yeah. Wow. We're working right now to get a trichologist in every single salon because lots of women are dealing with um, baldness and alopecia. Yeah, alopecia. Um, and that deals with confidence and self-esteem. So that's important to our customers. It's important to us. You can't do that at Salon Suite. 
So there's no competition. So the best thing that you can do is to partner. So when there are salon owners that come and work inside of our salon systems, we have actually a few salon um, professionals that have worked in the industry 20 to 25 years. And if you ask them why Shea Locks, they're going to say consistency. Mm. We train everybody the same. I don't care if you've been doing hair for five months to 25 years. It's the same system. same system. And that's something that we teach so much of individuality. It is. But there is a, a right way and a wrong way of taking care of someone's hair. That's very, very standard. That's very, very textbook of why we are successful. Wow. 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 <laughs> this has been an amazing episode. And I feel like I've learned a lot. I feel like all of you who've watched have learned a lot. And one of the things that I always ask at the end of the episodes is if we were to do a part two, let's say, of this conversation, would you be interested in coming back? For sure. You fly all the way from Bali for me. You and know, from focus. EFS, top tier service. I love it. I love it. Well, before we let you go, can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Well, I am Monokia Nance. I can be found at monokia.com. That's M-O-N-O-K-I-A.com at all things at Monokia. So that's Instagram, Twitter. If you say you can't find me, you weren't trying. <laughs> I love it. And make sure when y'all contact you, pay that invoice and pay it in full. <laughs> Thank you. Well, this is Eve from Egg Belly with A Figure Focus. And until next time. <laughs>